0: Amen. Good morning. God is good. And all the time. God is always faithful, isn't, isn't He? Isn't He? He is so good. No, Karen already was speaking of that song, Power in the Blood. And you know, it is so amazing that the blood of one man shed upon a cross is sufficient for the sins of all the world. Thank you, Lord. You know, we, we like to know and we know that we are sons and daughters of the living God and we're set free from our sins by that blood. But just to think about the magnitude of the sins of all the world can be forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. That's that much power in that blood. One drop would have been sufficient for the remission of all of our sins, for the cleansing of all of our sins. We are set free. And you know, yes, we can stand against the enemy. We say, you know, get behind me, Jesus, or get behind me, devil, in Jesus' name, and by his blood I've been set free. But you know what? It's not our power, it's his. We need to humbly realize that it's what he has done. Just humbly believe in him. This morning, my message I titled, Kinsman Redeemer. You know, as we read the Bible, there are so many stories that we find about. God's redemption plan about how he wanted to bring man back to himself and to have fellowship and communion with man once again. And just so many stories. You can look at Abraham and Moses and you know, Moses bring the people out of Egypt. and. But today we're going back to the book of Ruth. You know, Ruth, as you read this book, I encourage you all to read the book of Ruth. It's four little chapters. But it's such an amazing story. And it's like... A common everyday family, if you will. A family that had to... I'll, I'll back up a little bit just to refresh because it's been a couple weeks ago. Just like a common family that had to leave their homeland, had to leave Bethlehem because of a famine that come upon the land. Bethlehem was known as, the, it was called, House of Bread. Well, the House of Bread was without bread because of the famine. So they had to leave and they had to move 40 miles away to Moab. So they moved to a foreign land. So Elimelech, his wife Naomi, and their two sons moved to Moab. Common everyday family, if you will. But while they were there, tragedy struck. Elimelech died. So Naomi was a widow. And then her two sons died. But they had married They had married women of Moab. They married Moabites, Moabite women. One was named Opa, and the other was Ruth. The book is called Ruth. But as I the first message on Ruth I called true devotion because Ruth was so devoted to her mother-in-law that she chose to follow her back to the land of Bethlehem whenever Naomi heard that there was bread once again in the land that God had sent rain and they was able to harvest crops again. She decides to go back. And she urged her daughter-in-laws to turn and go back to your homeland. Go back to your parents. Go back and find yourself a husband. And Opa did, but Ruth said, no. Where you go, I will go. Your people will be my people. Your land will be my land. Your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die. That's how... Truly devoted she was to her mother-in-law. How much she loved her mother-in-law. But this morning, we're going to look at another amazing character in that wonderful little book of Ruth. The one that she would eventually marry. She married again. Married a man named Boaz. Kinsman redeemer. Ruth chapter 2, verses 1 through 9. And we'll read a little bit more later on, but we're going to begin with verses 1 through 9. There was a relative of Naomi's husband, a man of great wealth, of the family of Elimelech. His name was Boaz. So Ruth the Moabitess said to Naomi, Please let me go to the field and glean heads of grain after him in whose sight I may find favor. And she said to her, Go, my daughter. Then she left and went and gleaned in the field after the reapers. And she happened to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz who was of the family of Elimelech. Now behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said to the reapers, The Lord be with you, and they answered him, The Lord bless you. Then Boaz said to his servants, who was said to his servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose young woman is this? So the servant who was in charge of the reapers answered and said, It is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. And she said, Please let me glean glean and gather after the reapers among the sheaves. So she came and has continued from morning until now, though she rested a little in the house. Then Boaz said to Ruth, You will listen, my daughter, will you not? He's saying, You will listen to me, won't you? Sometimes the way they word it is a little confusing. She's like, You're going to listen. (laughs) Do not go to glean in another field, nor go from here, but stay close by my young woman. Let your eyes be on the field which they reap and go after them. Have I not commanded the young man not to touch you? And again, he said, I've told my young men not to touch you, to leave you be. And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink from what the young men have drawn. May God add his blessings to the hearing and the reading of his holy word. Mm-hmm. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you and praise you for your word. Your Word that reveals Your relationship with those that have come before us. And Father, most of all, reveals Your love and Your perfect plan. Your plan for their lives that also, Father, plans that we can follow. Father, we can read Your Word and understand how much You love us. And Father, help us to trust in You. Help us to listen to You and allow Your Spirit to lead us and guide us. Father, our hearts and our minds are open to You this day that You would guide us and help us to receive what You have for us. And may we glorify You with the life that You have given us. And Lord, just bless us again with Your presence for Your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, I hadn't planned this part of it, but it says that Ruth happened to come upon the part of the field belonging to Boaz. Now, how many here believe that it was coincidence that Ruth happened to come to that field, part of the field belonging to Boaz? <laughs> Nobody. Come on, kids, do you believe it was coincidence? No? Then how do you think it happened if you don't think it was coincidence? Maybe not knowing the word, but you think possibly divine intervention? Possibly. Okay, yes, okay, I'm getting some nods there. Possibly divine intervention. Now I know some of you have, Heard this story before, but I'm going to share it again for those that may have not heard it and may be watching and haven't heard it. Many moons ago, my wife and I hadn't been married very long. Uh, We got married in 1978. And I went to work for VEPCO, Virginia Electric and Power Company. And they was located up in Mount Storm, West Virginia. Now, most probably know where that is. But it was at least an hour drive from where we lived in Ridgely to get to Mount Storm every day. And that was when the weather was good. And if you know anything about Mount Storm, it is properly named, because there were times when it was not an easy trip. So anyhow, so I traveled that every day for a year, and oftentimes we worked long hours. It seemed like that we worked a minimum of 10 hours, often 12, and you put an hour's journey on each end of that, weather permitting, and it makes for a long day. My oldest daughter did not even know me very well during that year and I couldn't even sit on the couch beside her because I was practically a stranger to her because I worked such long hours so we talked and we decided we're going to try to find a house in between didn't want to move who would want to live in Mount Storm right but people do (laughs) so anyhow we thought we're going to try to find a house halfway between so we found this house that we think is a, a nice house, one that you know, is going to work for us that with our family. It's going to be growing. And we put a deposit on it. Well, we happened to stop by a couple weeks after we put the deposit on to show a mother-in-law and father-in-law this house. Well, there was some damage in this house that we did not see the first time in the foundation of the house. So it was difficult, but we was able to get our deposit back, you know. So our plans, you know, we're thinking this, this is, you know, our plans aren't going very well. So then we find a second house, put a deposit on. And this time, the seller backed out. The seller, something happened that, you know, can I, I want to back out of this plan to sell you my house. So, you know, again, things just aren't going well. Aren't going as we are planning. Very shortly after that second plan fell through. My uncle who worked at the railroad calls and says, you want to come work for the railroad? Get down here and put an application in. So long story made a little bit short here. I was hired at the railroad. Do you think it was coincidence that that first house fell through and then that second house deal fell through? I know for certain that God intervened. His plans are always better than our plans. God did not want us moving up there, and me working up there. He wanted us here because He knew the plans that He had for me, right? And for our family. He knew those plans. I don't think it just happened that those deals fell through, nor do I think it just happened that Ruth wandered into the field of Boaz that day. There was a relative, a man named Boaz. You know, as you read this story and watch it unfold... you realize that Boaz is a kind of person that you could admire. He's an admirable man. A honest man. You know, the first verse said that he was a wealthy man. But you know, as you read this, you realize that he did not let his wealth go to his head. He didn't let his wealth make him all prideful and arrogant and haughty and boastful. Even with his wealth, he was a humble man. He actually seems to be sensitive to the needs of others. Look at his greeting towards his servants. I think it's very commendable. Boaz said to the reapers upon coming back from Bethlehem, The Lord be with you. How delightful that your superior over you would come to you and say, How? The Lord be with you. He's basically saying, May the Lord bless you. May the Lord preserve you. May the Lord strengthen you. This is the kind of guy you'd want to work for, right? This is the kind of manager I'd like to have. I walk in every day. May the Lord be with you. And may the Lord bless you also. Amen. Everyone, though, could have these admirable characteristics if we allow the Lord to work in our lives and help mold and shape us into that kind of a person. I believe he was a humble man. You know, I know that many people are very successful, they do great things, they're they're wonderful, they're very talented, but the ones that we admire that have these gifts are the ones that are humble about it. Who likes that person that likes to stand up there and say, well, I did this and I accomplished that and I am so smart and I'm strong and all this, do we like that kind of a person? No. We like the one that we learn those things naturally. Maybe somebody else tells about it, or we just observe it ourselves. Boaz was a humble person. He was also a very generous person. Very generous. Generous towards his servants, very generous towards Ruth, which we'll get into more. And you know, you don't have to be wealthy to be a generous person. A generous person is is one that wants to help others. You don't have to have a lot of funds to be able to do that. You just have to have the want to to help in whatever way God leads you to help them. It might be giving a little bit of your time, going and helping them shovel their driveways in a winter like we're having. Or maybe to go help them fix their car. Or go help them clean their house up a little bit. You don't have to be wealthy to be generous. Be generous with what God has blessed you with. And it might be these two hands. And it might be this, these ears. I went to this first, but it might be these ears to listen because, you know, there's a lot of people out there that don't have anybody to talk to. They just want someone to listen to them. Amen. Amen. I've heard stories of people hiring people just to come and sit down to listen. Someone to talk to. I heard recently a story about a man that went into, I don't know if it was a Starbucks, but a coffee shop, and he put up a little sign at the table and sat down there and said, the sign said, come and listen to my story. <laughs> Nobody... Nobody came and visited him that day. Huh? Yeah, I'll buy you a cup of coffee if you'll come and hear my story. So the next day, he changed the sign. I'll buy you a cup of coffee and come and tell me your story. Amen. There was a line waiting. People need someone to listen, Amen. someone to talk to. Amen? Honesty is an admirable characteristic. If you are not honest, if you are not true, you're not going to have good relationships with others. It will not work. A relationship, there there has to be trust. In a marriage, there has to be trust. There has to be honesty. We're not to hide things from our spouses. We might have to hide things, you know, our presents that we got them for their birthdays or for Christmas. Boaz possessed many admirable characteristics. Kind to his workers. At the very beginning, he showed kindness to Ruth. He asked the servant who was in charge, whose young woman is this? You know, nowhere in the book of Ruth are you going to find a description of Ruth's outward appearance. I've not read it. No description of her outward. Was she beautiful to look at? I don't know. I'm pretty sure, Gary said pretty sure, she probably was. But it doesn't say, was she beautiful, was she gorgeous, I don't know. But what it does say is this, that Boaz said to her, it has been fully reported to me all that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband, and how you have left father and mother in the land of your birth. And he added, may the Lord repay your work. You see, it speaks of a beauty that is inward, doesn't it? A beauty that is inside, that is greater than the outward appearance. She had a beautiful heart. She loved her mother-in-law. She was a virtuous woman. She could have went back home. She could have went back home and found herself a man, somebody to marry and somebody to keep her for the rest of her days. She did not choose the easy way out. Instead, she was more concerned with the well-being of her mother-in-law, Naomi. She knew that someone would need to help care for Naomi because she was getting old. She knew that Naomi wouldn't be able to go out into fields and glean. She was too old. She was well-advanced in years. So she cared for her mother-in-law. Proverbs 31.10 says, Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. Far above rubies. Precious is what a virtuous wife wife is worth. Philippians 2, 1-4 says, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Look out or let each of you look out not only for his own interests but also for the interest of others. My friends, that's the kind of per- person that I'm having a hard time talking this morning. That's the kind of person that Ruth was. She looked out for the interest of others. Can we do the same? Do we do the same? Look out for the interests of others? Her kindness indeed is rewarded. Boaz says to her again, do not go and glean in another field. He says, I have commanded my young men to not touch you, to leave you alone. So Boaz provided protection for Ruth. He says, if you are thirsty, go and drink from what my men have drawn. And he even said, if you're hungry, go get food. So he has provided provision for her. Then he commanded his young men to intentionally, intentionally let some grain fall to the ground. In Deuteronomy, it speaks of gleaning. And this is, our God is so loving, and so compassionate to take care of people. In Deuteronomy 24, 19, it says, When you reap your harvest in the field, and you forget a sheaf in the field. So if you miss it, you drop it. You shall not go back and get it. It shall be for the stranger, for the fatherless, and the widow, that the Lord your God may bless you in all the work of your hands. So God takes care of those that are less fortunate. For the foreigner, which would be like Ruth. The widow, which is like Ruth. God said, do not go back and get it. Leave it for those. Leave it for the, those who are going to be gleaning. Those that have had hardships in their life. But Boaz goes even beyond this. He instructs his men I want you to drop some, leave some for Ruth, that she'll be able to gather a good harvest today. Isn't it amazing that God says, even though in his commandment in Deuteronomy, do not go back and get it, leave it for those that have need, that I may bless you? God says, if you bless others, I am going to bless you. Friends, you cannot outgive God. If you are generous, God will bless you. If you are generous with a pure heart, a loving heart. God cares for the least of these among us. As should we. He cares for everyone. That's why He made a way of providing for them that are less fortunate than we are. Boaz was faithful to the commands of God. He was a man blessed with a generous spirit. But the greatest blessing is yet to come. When Ruth went home that evening after working in the field all day with this great harvest, I don't know the size of the containers, but let's just say most people, if you would go to glean in a field, you're going to get crumbs. You're going to get a very skimpy harvest most of the time. You know, if you would go and glean most of the time, let's say you might get a quart, but she probably went home with a bushel. Mm-hmm. And when she came come into the house that night her mother in law said, Where did you work today? Where did you work that you found all this grain? Oh, she goes, I happened to come upon a field belonging to Boaz. Right away, Naomi says, Boaz. She said, Blessed be the Lord who has not forgotten his kindness to the living and the dead, for this man is a close relative of ours. He is kin. He is kin. We don't use that term very often, but we are kin. We're related, right? We are kin. Naomi remembers the law concerning kinsman redeemer. She remembers the law that how if you had to sell a piece of land because of a hardship, one of your kin, one of your close relatives can redeem that for you to bring it back into your family where it rightly belongs. So she tells Ruth, here's what I want you to do. Now this is going to sound very strange to our ears, but she tells Ruth, he is a kinsman of ours, and he can redeem the land for us. So tonight, I want you to go down to the threshing floor, and I want you to watch as the men are working. When they're done, after they have eaten, and after they have drank some wine, I want you to be mindful of where Boaz goes and lays down. And I want you to go and uncover his feet, and I want you to lay at his feet. And you're thinking, wow, this is crazy. But it's a whole different culture. My friends, this is the way it is done. She humbled herself, if you will, at his feet. We're going to get back to this in a moment. But she humbled herself at his feet is what she has done. And in the middle of the night, he is stirred. He realizes something. Down. you imagine waking up in the middle of the night and someone's laying at your toes? It's going to startle you, isn't it? So he wakes up, and who is it? Who is it? And she reveals to him that they are kin. That he is a relative of hers. And that he is, indeed, their kinsman redeemer. She lets him know that. But Boaz, being the honest man that he is, I said he's honest, he's trustworthy. He's truthful. He lets her know that Ruth... There is another relative that is closer than I. So for me to be the kinsman redeemer, I must first go to this man, give him the opportunity to fulfill this duty of a kinsman redeemer. Leviticus 25.25 speaks of the kinsman redeemer. It says, If one of your brethren becomes poor and has sold some of his possession, and if his redeeming relative comes to redeem it, then he may redeem what his brother has sold. So now I want to remove or go to our second reading in Ruth chapter 4, verses 1 through 8. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the close relative of whom Boaz had spoken came by. So Boaz said, Come aside, friend, and sit down here. So he came and sat down. And he took ten men of the elders of the city. My friends, these are ten witnesses to witness this transaction, is what these ten men are. Ten men of the city, and said, sit down here. So they sat down. Then he said to the close relative, Naomi, who has came back from the country of Moab, sold the piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. And you know, as I read that, I, happened, I thought to myself, and I, I didn't do the research, when he says, our brother Elimelech. I wonder, was it really a brother or was it just, that they just call him brother, as in we call one another brother or sister? It could have very well been a brother. Elimelech may have been an older brother. So it's possible that Boaz was a much younger brother of Elimelech's. And maybe there was a brother in between, because that's how you would receive your inheritance, by the age. So the oldest first, and then the next. So it's very possible this, they could have been brothers, Or just cousins, I'm not sure. But that's a possibility, so and I'm not saying that it absolutely is. But anyway, this land belonged to our brother Elimelech, our family, our kin. And I thought to inform you, saying, Buy it back in the presence of the inhabitants and the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if you will not redeem it, then tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am next after you. And he said, I will redeem it. Then Boaz said, On the day that you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you must also buy it from Ruth the Moabitess, the wife of the dead, to perpetuate the name of the dead through his inheritance. The close relative said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I ruin my own inheritance. You redeem my right of redemption for yourself, for I cannot redeem it. Now this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm anything, a man took off his sandal and gave it to another. And this was a confirmation in Israel. Therefore the close relatives said to Boaz, buy it for yourself. They took off a sandal. That sealed the deal. They didn't have to get a contract out and sign it and all this and that. They took off their sandals. And, and Scott's saying if I wore the same size boot, he had me taking my boots off and giving them to him. <laughs> but anyhow, they sealed the deal by taking their sandal off. So now he had the right to go and redeem that land, to redeem that which had previously belonged to Naomi. This whole deal is about inheritance. It's about redemption. Naomi and her husband had to sell this land because of the hardship that came upon them. God made a way. God made a way to allow those that own property to receive that property back. Boaz became Ruth and Naomi's kinsman redeemer to restore that land. You know, there's a deeper sense to this. It traces back. I know that it goes forward also because Christ is our redeemer, but I feel that it even goes back. I think it goes all the way back to the beginning. God created Adam and Eve. Where did he place them? Where did they live? The Garden of Eden, right? He gave them this land to care for, to, t- to, to tend the garden. And they could eat of the trees of the, of the garden. They could eat of all the trees. They could eat of the tree of life. But they were forbidden to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yes. They were forbidden to eat from that one tree. So one day we know what happened. We've all heard this story. The old devil tricked Adam and Eve. I'm not going to separate just Eve. Because Adam was right there. He tricked them into eating the tree, eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And we know that on that day, death entered in. Man could have lived for eternity. They'd have just obeyed God. But they ate from the tree and death entered in. They didn't die that day, but they eventually did. But friends, there was more than that. What else happened? God put them out of the garden, didn't he? He put them out of the garden so that they could not eat of the tree of life. So He removed them from that land which was theirs. God gave it to them. It was theirs. Some might say, well, that was awful cruel that God would do such a thing, to put them out of that land and, and then cause them to die. But my friends, God cannot change His nature. It was actually a merciful act. In the garden, God would walk with man. Man could not enter into the presence of God now because he had sinned. If he had entered into the presence of God, he would immediately die. So it was actually a merciful act, God putting them out. God still did talk with and commune with man, but not in the same way. God cannot change His nature to accommodate our sinful lifestyles. My friends, He didn't do it then, and He doesn't do it today. He does not change His nature to accommodate us that we can live any way we want. God commands us to be holy as He is holy. And through the power of the Holy Spirit, we can do that. But also we are cleansed through the blood of Jesus Christ. Our sins as we are washed away. Washed away. We are set free from the bondage of sin through the blood of Jesus Christ. That amazing blood. The power that is in that blood. So God in His amazing love though, He wanted to restore that lost inheritance. He wanted to allow man to come to Him again. He wanted to heal that broken relationship with man. But it would require require redemption. Boaz was their kinsman redeemer. But Jesus Christ is our kinsman redeemer. He is our kinsman redeemer today. When you redeem something, you have to pay for it, right? Man needed to be redeemed. And we all know what the debt was. Blood had to be shed. Jesus Christ paid that debt on our behalf that we could be restored to to God. That we could once again walk with God. That we could walk in fellowship with God. Enter back into that garden, if you will, symbolically and be with God through the redemption act of Jesus Christ upon that cross. Romans 5, 6-9 says, For when we were still without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love toward us, and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us much more than having now been justified by His blood. We shall be saved from wrath through Him. Hallelujah. Boaz took Ruth as his bride. He redeemed her and took her as his bride. Friends, the church is the bride of Jesus Christ. He is the groomsman. And He is coming again to redeem His church. Hallelujah. Are you looking for that day? I know that I am. I am joyfully looking for it because He has paid the debt that we can once again have fellowship with God, relationship restored. That's what the redemption work of Jesus Christ is all about, to get that inheritance back, restore that which rightfully belonged to us that we willingly gave away in the Garden of Eden. If they wouldn't have sinned, I would have been the one to do it. But praise be to God. He sent the kinsman Redeemer. Amen. We are heirs and co-heirs with Christ, are we not? Amen. We are co-heirs. He is our kinsman Redeemer. And you know, I spoke of how Ruth went and laid at his feet. Brothers and sisters, that's what we need to do. We need to humbly become, come before Christ. Whenever God sent someone, sent a messenger to those of old, like Abraham or Moses... When they realized it was the messenger of God, what did they do? They fell on their faces before them. We, when we are in our sin, that's what we must do. We must just come before Christ. I don't care if you fall on your face, if you get on your knees, but we must humbly repent of our sins give them to Him because He died for us and receive that redemption that He freely provides for all who will come. That's the message of the church, friends. That's the message that we have for the world. That's for us and for all. All who will believe it. You know, if Ruth would have said, eh, I don't care about that land, I don't want it. She would have walked away from her kinsman redeemer, wouldn't she have? Well, there's many out there today that here it is, it's for all. It's God's desire that all would come. But they have to come freely, willingly. Their own hearts has to draw them but it's there for all who will receive. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever shall believe in Him shall not die, but have everlasting life. That is the gift. I pray that we've all asked Christ to come in here. Take up residence in His heart today. Receive Him as your kinsman redeemer. Amen.